Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to the matriculation of the 7th anniversary edition of Springboard, your virtual university. As you may probably know by now, the very first Springboard was aired on the evening of Monday, the 4th of August, 1998. At that time, it was from 8 p.m. till 9.30 p.m. It's a beautiful Sunday evening, and you definitely will love tonight's show. It is also the 12th and final edition of our Entrepreneurship and Business Growth Series. And shortly, we'll be looking at succession planning. It's not like I'm planning to quit this show, but succession planning is key. The broadcast is put together by Legacy and Legacy, your preferred partner for world-class corporate training and your superstation join 99.7 FM. We are also privileged to enjoy media support from the Business and Financial Times and the Graphic Business and Technology Support from Dream Oval. My name is Albert Okran and I'm here with my virtual academic board, Full House, comprising Comfort, the registrar, along with Matthew Amos, Ray Kunana and Ishra. It's a beautiful evening and from now till you graduate at 8pm your personal value will shoot up. Springboard virtually connects a network of CEOs, business executives, corporate decision makers, and the most influential emerging leaders every Sunday evening on a journey of personal improvement. Our our aim is to raise a new generation of African leaders and entrepreneurs using the medium of human capital development. And so over the past, since the beginning of the month of May, I believe, we've done different topics in this series on business growth. We've looked at an overview of entrepreneurship with Kofi Bentel and Mabel Simpson, done idea generation with Michael Amankwa. We've done profile of an entrepreneur with Elikem Kwenye here, very notable resource persons. We've done why businesses fail with Catherine Benson and Patricia Sapo. We've done financing startups and SMEs with Yofi Grant and Hamdia Ismaila. We did corporate decision making with George Ofusuini of Bond. We looked at corporate communications and public relations with Adikia ITV and Elaine some. When we got to customer engagement and marketing, our resource persons were Petra, Asamoa, and Mauli Oklu. We also did this, um, edition number nine, which was on social media for business growth and Estelle Akufi Usua and Maximus Ametago were our resource persons. For the 10th in the series, financial discipline and cash flow management, we had Kojo Ohenichi of IFS Financial Services Group. The 11th show was on human capital as a key to business growth. And my guest was Sam Boafu. That was last week. Sam Boafu is the head of HR at Cal Bank. The final edition is about sustaining the business over the long term. Ensuring that the business keeps growing. It is strong. It is alive. And not just for businesses, but for any other field of endeavor. Let's face it. My guests will tell you this better than, uh, better than I even can. The fact is that many people erroneously assume that succession planning is simply preparing for the death of the founder of a business. They therefore shy away from this all-important subject, just like we typically run away from preparing a will or even discussing wills. But the average company has no plan at all for handling key employee or key management succession. The assumption is that if the COO, the IT engineer, the HR director leaves the company suddenly or unfortunately dies in a car accident, it will be no problem at all to quickly replace them. The reality is that often it is the exact opposite. 
no matter who is the replacement, it takes time to get settled and to play the role they are expected to play. So the question is simply this. How prepared is your business, your church, your football club, or your political party or NGO for sudden vacuums created by movements of key personnel? How long, in your opinion, does it take for an entity to recover from the sudden loss of a key manager or a key executive? And what can be done to proactively minimize the potential disruptions? The key word is what? Disruptions. With me tonight on Springboard your Virtual University as we discuss succession planning. I have here Professor Robert Abelhinson of the University of Ghana Business School and I'll be joined very shortly by Mr. Kofidazu, CEO of Rankard Solutions. Robert, welcome to Springboard. Thank you, Robert. Good to be back. It, it, it's, 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 it's just absolutely fantastic to, to have you on the show and I guess tonight's topic is, is very apt. It is very much. Right? Very, very much. Okay. Uh, so as supporters of Manu, we can agree that Alex Ferguson's departure is a classic case study in succession planning gone bad. <laughs> he did well today. I mean, it was a total miracle. <laughs> he came through somehow. Uh, uh, can I give a shout out before I start? Why not? Okay, I won't give a shout out to Miss Faith Irabda. He's part of my own personal um, succession planning regime, and she has a birthday next week, so I promised I'll say happy birthday to her. She'll be five next week. Yes. Interesting that Kofi's. Kofi's son is also celebrating the birthday today, so he'll awesome. give a shout out when he comes back. Absolutely. Before we settle down to succession planning, let's let me just pick your mind. Last year you were you spoke at the festival of ideas. How was your experience last year? Oh, it was totally tremendous. I mean, it was good to be there, and um, it was a total privilege. And I think that this whole knowledge revolution thing, which you discussed with me several years ago, is something you want to do. It's something that we need to keep pushing ahead because the stronger the knowledge economy grows, the greater the propensity we have to build stronger businesses and to get better at doing this country. So right. I think we're on the right path. Right. So this year we did a very interesting thing. We moved on to the theme of business with integrity. Absolutely. And funnily enough, the moment we put out the word integrity, many people's minds went to personal morality. And while that is part of integrity, it seemed to be a very narrow definition of integrity. But we broke it down into five sub-themes. Indeed. Compliance and systemic integrity. From Correct. things as basic as buying a gallon of fuel and the thing being a gallon. Absolutely. Instead of, instead of 0.9 of a gallon. Absolutely. And, and, and it being a systemic issue rather than a personal decision. Absolutely. We're looking at, we're looking at corp- and, and that will be handled by Kojo Hinichi. We're looking at corporate governance and that will be handled by Kelly Gajeku. Yeah. We will be looking also at Quality assurance and standards. And that, will, that will be handled by Lucy Quist of Etel. Um, leadership by example will be handled by Dr. Joyce Ayi. Indeed. And then corporate values and ethics will be handled by Kweku Beduadu. And then to cap it all, once again, the keynote speaker, Dr. Mens Altabel, that is the lineup that we have. And really, it's a gathering of equals. Indeed. CEOs from different companies and their management teams typically come in tables like, like they, did, they did last year. Indeed. So, what 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 you see as resource persons, they really are giving introductory thoughts Indeed. and they're leading a discussion of the CEOs themselves about practical examples. One idea I can take away, one tip I can use to ensure that my company is even more compliant. Absolutely. And that's basically the framework for the festival this year. Your thoughts? Well, I think the fact that you speak about integrity and gives us an expanded scope of what it means is very, very profound. I mean, if you look at the sub-thematic breakdown, Issues of standards really matter in this country. And I think that if we begin to work better with standards, we are able to better measure and sustain our corporate enterprises in a more systematic way. I think issues of corporate governance really, really matter as well. And when we come to discussing 
succession planning. So I'm going to speak about issues of boards and how they can lead a charge to ensure that proper succession planning regimes are built in organizations and look at CEO relationships with boards and so on and so forth. Leadership, by example, shout out to Josiah, do a fantastic job. And then the whole issue of corporate values and ethics. Ethics and social responsibility is a course I teach at level 200 in the business school for the last three, four years. And we found that we couldn't wait for students to do a master's program before beginning to understand the fundamentals of ethics and how they can leverage an ethical disposition to become better managers. So I think the time is totally ripe for these types of discussions. And uh, I think that you, 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 you have really introduced a subject that is opportune and ripe for a time as this. Right. Let me just um, quickly remind our listeners of our commitments for the year 2015 because we have a certain... We've decided that this year, many people tell us at the end of the year that they made New Year resolutions and forgot them. So we've decided that this year, from beginning of the year till the end, we'll remind ourselves of five commitments every single week until the year ends. And let's see whether the consistent reminder is a way of helping people to actually live up to live it, live it. Absolutely. And so read a good book the first one is to read a good book a month i'm reading currently the seven mountains mandate by johnny enlo a very interesting book about the pillars of influence the seven key pillars of influence in this world and the battle for those pillars pillars like the media pillars like education okay. pillars like business i see and the strategies for taking over those mountains a okay. very interesting book okay and that's what i'm reading now now the second is to attend personal development interventions i think i would like to mention this week um, a conference happening this week that is, uh, is called exceed the limit conference i'll be speaking on uh, on thursday and fridays organized by the apostolic church at sakaman Sac- um, it's okay. a very interesting conference i have done it a couple of years consistently and it will be from Monday through till the weekend. And I will I'll be speaking on, Wednesday, on Thursday and Friday. Very, very powerful conference. Sign up to the SMS Academy. And, and, and guess what? This month on the SMS Academy, we are doing an encyclopedia of thoughts we call A to Z Life Tips. Okay. And the tip number two, because this is the 2nd of August, is on accuracy. Accuracy. What are your thoughts about accuracy? Being accurate. You know, I just spoke about the importance of standards for improving corporate right, performance. Right. We tend to be inaccurate and tend to leave it to God instead of understanding that without proper target set up in issue, we can't excel at anything we do. So right. I think accuracy is really, really important too if you want to have business excellence. Right. So the message for today on accuracy is that the ability to precisely analyze, precisely analyze and report on issues is a great asset and a career enabler. So the warning is that avoid vagueness. Vagueness, vagueness is one one thirty two ish accuracy pace. And just for good measure, yeah. this SMS Academy is hosted by Rankard Solutions and I just have had the CEO of Rankard enter the studio. The big man himself. Yes. <laughs> Kofi, good to see you. Good to see you too. Good evening. Uh, right. How's the baby party going? It's, uh, I was just trying to wrap it up as I was running in, but it went well. It went well. Yes. Uh, Please give a shout out to the birthday boy before we even continue for allowing you to come <laughs> onto the show. Joshua, happy birthday, and uh, you're a great kid, and God bless you. 
So Joshua and, and Faith, Faith enjoy yes. your enjoy your evening. This is for the next generation, and it, it's, it's no wonder they're talking about succession plan. We'll come down to the meat of it very Absolutely. soon. But just just to wrap up on the commitments for the year. Number one, read a good book a month. Number two, attend personal development interventions. Three, sign up to the SMS Academy. Number four, prepare a 20-year personal development plan. And then number five, deliberately build social equity. Make sure, don't leave your friendships to chance. Connect deliberately to value enhances. And that is our lesson for today. So let's settle down to the big issue. Alex Ferguson leaves and the the, 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 the football club is... Trying hard and George Rafi, please don't stand in the window and wave me. I know I said I won today. <laughs> Asimenga is now the manager for life. So David Moyes comes in, struggles a little, and obviously the club is struggling to replace a colossus. Steve Jobs dies, Tim Cook steps in and seamlessly raises the company to become the richest company on earth. And it's built building on the foundations that that Steve Jobs laid. Two classic cases. One which is struggling to find his feet and another which is just moving from strength to strength. Both predecessors did well. But what went wrong? That's the kind of thing we are trying to unravel today in our discussion on succession planning. Let me start with you, Professor Hinson. What exactly is succession planning and why is it even important to discuss on a day like this? Okay, there are a lot of definitions you can put to succession planning. One of them is the fact that it's a systematic way to ensure that employees are competent enough to develop and replace strategic roles in the organizational hierarchy. So, all said, some roles will become vacant at a certain point, and companies must attempt to plan for the right number and quality of managers to cover retirements, deaths, serious illness, promotion, and any new positions which may be created in the future organizational plans. So, bottom line, uh, positions will open up and there must be a systematic arrangement to ensure that a pipeline exists that effectively fills these positions and roles as and when they appear. So those are the, if you like, the initial thoughts on why succession planning is important. Kofi, you run a very thriving business organization. He talked about a pipeline. So let's see that at the inception of Rankard, it's probably yourself and he with big dreams. But now... I do business with Rankard for a long time and I don't even talk to you. Not because you are not available, but because I don't need to talk to you. What, How critical is that pipeline to ensuring continuity in the business? In, in fact, I like to think of it as a bench um, because I like the sports analogy. So um, if you look in or if you look at some of the very best football teams which we all admire, you see amazing guys sitting on the bench um, even in um, a major game, I mean, people who would be playing 90 minutes from the start if they were in a lesser team. Absolutely. And the bench is strong. Um, the, the, the other interesting analogy is when um, we hear we're building up the World Cup or the Africa Cup and then there's a deadline by which the coach needs to submit his final 23. Look, it takes 11 guys to play, but he has to submit the final 23. He needs options, right? So we've... In Rankard, what we've done is to look at succession planning horizontally and vertically in such a way that we're looking at when somebody goes on leave, customers should not experience a dip in the service that they're used to, which is the Rankard brand. Absolutely. They must have somebody else who steps in. So we look at that from the top. 
we look at it as a function of HR, but we also look at it as a professional individual function where if Kofi is the customer service analyst, Kofi is responsible for making sure that he has somebody else who understands their work, has access to all their files, knows who the list of customers are, has access to their last set of conversations they had. And we actually even use software to track that. So that when you go and leave, you go comfortably handing over. Your notes are exposed to a number of people across the organization. And the person who is stepping in knows exactly what they need to do to keep up your work. And and and, and we work hard to maintain a system like that. Talking about software for monitoring conversations, I've given this example before on the show about in my early days when I went to London for the first time, the idea of opening a bank account in London for my few pounds that I had was very exciting <laughs> for me. So I managed to open an account at Knightsbridge Barclays Bank. And it was doing fine because there was no charges on the account until one day they decided actually there are several hustlers who have opened <laughs> accounts with some very small amounts in them and they keep tra- transaction cost of maintaining the account was too high. So they levied a minimum amount <laughs> per month and because nothing was being added the account was just shrinking in size <laughs> so I wrote to them and said listen I'm in Ghana <laughs> but I'm closing this account so I beg you <laughs> stop charging <laughs> so I remember that a lady with a, an Indian voice called Ilya took the phone and took my request and, uh, and accepted that from that day onwards there will be no drop in charges wow. so it was a very nice discussion so she said consider it done anytime you're in London just pick your money absolutely wow. so M- months later, I went to London and I went straight to the branch. And I walked in and I said, Who's Ilya? <laughs> I said, Oh, do you have a problem? I said, no, I want to see Ilya. <laughs> oh, oh. They, were very, they were very amused. Yeah. I mean, eventually, they said, Listen, anybody can handle you. And I, I sat don't down. believe that. I sat down and I just gave the account number. And they gave me every detail, including everything Ilya had told me and everything I had said. <laughs> Absolutely. And when I finished, I said, So where is it? <laughs> so it's probably somewhere in the Philippines. Somewhere in the Philippines or India, away. just receiving the calls in the call center. But I was impressed by the fact that it was a system and not a person. That's why we are having, in the Festival of Ideas, a discussion about systemic integrity mm. and about standards. Mm. And for me, that was my the opening of I my opener. eyes. So, 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 so you realize that so far we've had a discussion and nobody has mentioned death. We've defined succession planning. We've talked about why it is critical, and nobody has mentioned death. It doesn't mean that it's, it's more about just it's more than just about death. Coffee. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, the chances that somebody in an organization dies in the prime in the middle of their work is probably a little lower than the chances that they get caught up in something and can't show up to work, or that they even just go and leave for a week or two. So, um, if you are planning only for the scenario of death. Um, hopefully it covers the smaller scenarios, but you might miss um, simply because you're not expecting most people in key positions to die the next day. You might miss the more the essence critical potential disruptions like just leave. Yeah, Absolutely. Plus, you know, some of your best talents are the most competitive talents on the market. I mean, it's a reality we have yeah. to live up with. So <laughs> you have to sort of know that they will go. And so far as they are loyal to you, they can go. I mean, so... You, you, you plan, he uses the bench, the pipeline in such a way that there are a group of people who are systematically being trained to step into the shoes of anybody who leaves, who's head of private solutions or head of card solutions. And that's the way we need to look at these things. When Mr. Dazi spoke, he, he, he sounded like somebody who's operating a transparent organization and therefore these things are actively encouraged. 
in organizations where you have silos and you have little mafias and little kingdoms it's, it's not as easy as he's talking about at all i mean like most of the things i hear as disincentives to delivering as superior customer service people for most young people in ghana today is i don't see my way clear you won't believe it i mean i go into training and i'm saying how much you love the company oh not so much why i don't see my way clear i'm not being trained properly i don't see where i'm going and when you have that kind of scenario repeating itself over and over and over again you have a problem clearly that organization doesn't have roadmaps for people to grow into new roles let me let me put this to you very bluntly you find that in some places managers are excited about coaching the next generation indeed, indeed. and their greatest source of pride is that they are not available or they are not there and, and the things are flowing absolutely and they talk about it with such great passion indeed in other places too some people's greatest sense of pride is yeah. that listen i was nobody away and it. nobody could even spark absolutely. the machine absolutely till i came back yeah <laughs> no, so those are stark starkly different propositions what, what, what was the cause what was the explanation for that is it personal insecurity yeah. is it a fear of being being redundant what what is under is it is, what is underpinning if i have to be honest with you right it is the characterization of the leader i think that the thing it flows from the head down so if you have a board that's open cinema that's open cinema that's supporting succession planning people pick up the vibe and they run with it but if you have these small small clusters within the organization and there's a perception that senior management fuels this sort of activity it's very easy for the local champions to keep everything to their chest not share anything with anybody and everybody under them suffer because they don't want to open up so for me it is a big function of the quality of the leadership the type of person who's there the kind of board they are working with and a certain intentional plan to make sure that succession planning is uh, encouraged otherwise not much can happen i'm sorry <laughs> intentional <sorry>. plan yeah. <laughs> the plan itself is already intentional it that intentional plan it, it must be very intentionally be. deliberately Absolutely. done so let's mm-hmm. let's 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 look at what he calls an intentional plan i mean so you set out to see listen listening to springboard tonight i realized that we are very vulnerable we've not thought about the scenarios you mentioned that the person is loyal but the person could fall sick the person could be bereaved or poached. I mean, or poached. <laughs> and these are realities. Very much. So, so, should that happen, how strong is the system to be able to flow? And you know, sometimes these calamities or, or challenges do not choose their time no, considerately at all. They, they choose the most critical time to happen. What do you do? So, you want to say, okay, listen, I've listened to what you're talking about. I want to proactively put in place a mechanism what are some of the thought parts what are some of the approaches you should use should you for instance say every department must have person one person two person three how, how do you go about the whole thing of providing what you call a good pipeline or in your case coffee um, a good bench right or so options as you rightly call yeah, them. options extending the football analogy further um, i think the name of the dutch coach who played who who propagated total football was Cruyff. John Cruyff, yeah. Right, okay. So, I believe in a team like that. Um, and I like it when in Chelsea, to turn Terry scoring goals and Drogba is playing defense. And I think that actually is more natural than so when you have... Just to give you a multi-system. Multi-system, absolutely. Right, right. I think that actually is a more natural representation of a team, that, there's an, that there is not only versatility, but people have each other's backs. 
So, yes, I'm the striker, and that's what I'm being um, paid primarily to do. But when the ball is back, I fall back also, naturally. Nobody needs to ask me, and I'm there. Because I'm thinking of the team, and I know that only the team wins. And so you've got to have people in the team who are naturally versatile and or a culture that um, supports that sort of behavior, that rewards um, versatility. Now, then you also have to have a deliberate program where you let people move around a lot. So people need to anticipate that in this company, movements, including horizontal movements, are progressive. So if I poke my nose into other people's work to understand what they do because I think of it as a team and we must all be connected, and I understand what others do, and I'm willing and able to go out with them. When it, So I'm, I'm an engineer, but when the people in the sales team are going out, I'm going out with them. I'm in sales, but, when, but I go and sit with the engineers and try and understand what they do because it actually enriches what I do. I understand the connectedness, like a great team, like a great football team, where we, you know, we talk of these telepathic passes. How did yeah. this guy know this guy would move into this position? Right. You know, and I so can, he I, can, didn't, I can almost picture it in my mind as you speak. Exactly. You know, he, he, he didn't play the ball to where he was. He played the ball to where he would be. You know, and 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 that's how corporate organizations or, or or even families, you know, in terms of what happens when grandpa dies or grandma dies. Who's moving up into that position? Who's calling us? together and organizing us as a unit you know so there's a certain versatility people need to watch and learn other people's roles and naturally be willing to move into those roles whether it's a permanent movement or it's a temporary movement i can immediately see a benefit for having what he just described because it is one of also if you will and um, you will um, testify from um, corporate engagements, training sessions, and so on. You find that one of the big complaints that people have is that, for instance, the the front office and the back office don't speak well to each other. No, they don't. So you go out there as a, uh, a marketing team or business development team and make all the promises about timelines, delivery, and so on, and you pass it down to the back office and they don't seem to have the same agency because they've not met the client before. They don't understand the pain of not meeting these deadlines. I, can, I suspect that this system where people move around a bit will help people appreciate what goes into the other person's role I agree. and why that support is very necessary. I agree. I mean, I think it's totally profound. I mean, the five years I spent in advertising, I spent most of the time with the graphic designers learning about cartography and warm colors and cold colors because when you're in a client meeting, you're doing the critical interface, you can't call the agency and start asking about, so what's warm color or, or what's hot color, what is cold color? You have to discuss phones very comfortably. Mm. So I spent a lot of my time sitting with the visualizers and the creative guys and those who do copywriting and the media guys because I needed to understand the agency solution end-to-end and be able to be so adept at discussing all the various facets that in any client meeting, I could perform like the agency in one. Mm-hmm. And I remember my late CEO used to have us rehearse till midnight sometimes when we were going to do client presentations because he said he wanted the transitions between the three-month team at the time to be seamless. So that in any client presentation we're in, whether it was the creative director or the chief of beating officer or the account director, we all were up to speed regarding what we all did and the kind of composite solution we brought to give value to the client. So I think it's very, very crucial. I tell everybody that from diploma to PhD, there's nothing you want to do in Ligon that I can tell you. It's my job. I'm an ambassador of the brand 24-7. If I leave Ligon, it's a different story. But once I remain there, whether it's neuropathy or hematology or whatever you want to do, if I can't explain the course in detail, 
I can give you kindled up points that you can tap into and get the information you need to become a customer of the University of Ghana. It's it's part of what we bring to the table. So I think it's really, really important to understand all these little, little nuances. Yes. It is 28 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and the first hour of this program, we've been trying to understand the whole issue of succession planning with my guests, Kofidazi CEO of Rankart and Professor Robert Ebohinson of the University of Ghana Business School. I found it very instructive because my first um, culture shock was that the first 15 minutes, nobody mentioned death. It was not really about death. It's about setting up a system that can run seamlessly. And words like pipeline, like bench, like options were used. And it's beginning to emerge that it is not even about just a matter of replacement. It's about seamless, consistent execution of a mandate. I'm beginning to see the mission statement being um, coming out. And when we come back from this break, we'll find out about the enforcers what kind of governance framework makes it possible why what kind of decision making system makes it possible for us to build what we are describing and we'll look at also the commonly made mistakes by organizations you may be listening tonight and you're wondering i wish my boss was listening because this is serious stuff well <laughs> find a way of getting them to tune in to join 99.7 fm and tell them every sunday evening this is where all the ceos and all the big people converge and all the emerging leaders converge because it's about thought leadership at the very highest level my guest once again kofi does the ceo of rankard and Professor Robert Ebohinson. Let me just point to routine things that we take for granted that could make us vulnerable before we even go into the meat of who should drive the agenda. And I guess for tonight, just in case you just joined us, um, I'm speaking to Professor Robert Ebohinson of the University of Ghana Business School and then Kofi Daz, the CEO of Rankard. Both of them are dedicating this show to their, their children. I mean, Kofi's son is celebrating his birthday today and Robert's daughter will celebrate their birthday next week. Let me greet one of my bosses, Dr. G.S. Ado the founder of Prudential Bank. He oh. listens religiously every Sunday evening at his age. Really? And, and I, I, I'm humbled by the fact that he's a con- he calls himself a constant student together with his wife oh, wow. of the virtual Good university. I, feel, oh, I yeah. feel very humbled that he finds the show very instructive and I Indeed. really celebrate him for And he, he I, I, and when I get to meet him, I, I, am, I am curious about his life story and then also about succession. So Absolutely. I want to dedicate this show to him. And it's a good thing. Powerful, powerful. So Kofi, let's look at things like staff using personal mobile phones for corporate work mm. and then one day the person leaves and all the customers are calling the person and the person goes to a rival company let's look at things like sole handling of a password mm. so something is done and only one person has a password mm. and one day that person is not available something as simple as the institutional memory being in the head of one person or or even <laughs> All the information on a particular program being stored on a laptop without a backup, mm-hmm. even in today's world of cloud technology and all, are these real concerns we should have, or is just being flimsy? Well, they are concerns that you may not need to have if you set up a system of work where no one person owns anything significant alone, mm-hmm. where even the structure in which you attend meetings, the structure and method for reporting on meetings so um, again using my experience in Rankard as an example if I attend the meeting sometimes before I'm back in the office you know on my drive back I'm already punching out an email on my phone reporting to the people who need to handle it from the in detail here's the conversation here's what happened here's who we spoke with here's who they are here's who their contacts are or sending an email introducing the next person on then the next night is I insist everybody else also does that because 
the relationships and the interactions are the companies. Now, there are times when people have a strong sense of ownership, which is a good thing, but it emanates in a personal, a very um, an, an interaction with customers or in some system that becomes very personalized because that's that's the way in which they operate. You have to look out for that situation and help people like that um, amend their engagement method and open it up because if they don't open it up, um, if, if, if you don't systematize the process of engagement, this is not only for dealing with customers outside but also for interacting within the organization. You may even have people who are still there who haven't left yet, but things that will fall through the cracks because only one person knew about it and they slipped. But if things that are important are always operating within a matrix system, a matrix of communication that is set up naturally so that there is a format of meetings, there's a type of meeting, certain people get into it, and it forces out a certain conversation. It exposes things that people otherwise may not have shared or, 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 or spoken about. Then you are operating a system in which you are minimizing the risk of information, knowledge, or some skill residing with an individual and, as a result, potentially being lost or not being transferred properly within the organization. Oh. Everything that is done, everything significant must be done within a certain matrix. Systematize the process of engagement both internally and externally. And personal ownership must not be reduced to a closed method of engagement because the relationships and interactions are the companies and they are not for the individuals. So set out a system where no one has sole access to anything of significance in the business. If that's everything I learned today, I think it's still worth my while to be here on the on Springboard the Virtual University. And if you just join us, these are the thoughts of Kofi the CEO of Rankard Solutions. Robert. Yeah. Who starts this whole agenda of sanitizing a system to ensure that this kind of vulnerability is avoided? These these disruptions mm. and 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 on transitions of uncertainty are avoided. Whose job is it to drive the process, and what kind of governance is critical to ensuring continuity? Okay, so I'll start by giving you something that I picked up from the 2013 annual report of one of the banks in this country that's doing quite well. It reads thus, the board has a rigorous appointment process and has initiated a succession plan for itself and key management roles. The board has ensured that active management is in place to implement the bank strategies and consider issues related to succession planning. The board is satisfied with the existing pool of talent and work is being done to improve this further to ensure that adequate succession death is provided for both the short and the long term. Now this is a bank where the CEO said in 2013 he was 61, he was quite fit, but he was hoping to face out in two or three years so the bank can run on his own. And he makes the most profound statement. He says... And I quote this bank again because I thought it was a really cool thing he said. He said that one, I think one thing I want to see is to start a company, live it, and stay away and see it run before you die. Mm-hmm. I think it's very profound when people think in those ways. I want to build it. I want to leave it. I want to see it run before I die. Mm-hmm. So with this kind of mindset, this CEO clearly 
is not waiting to die before they find a successor for him. No, no, no. He wants the company to grow so well that even when he takes a back seat, certain organic processes are in place to ensure that the bank lives far beyond him. So when you have that kind of mindset and you have the board that supports that kind of mindset, then you know straight away that succession planning is something that's critically you know, valued in this sort of organization. Now, I don't know if we spoke about the benefits of succession planning, but maybe I can link it very quickly to sort of explain why this thing is so critical. The question you asked about passwords and codes and people being inappropriate in the organization sometimes has to do with employee perceptions of what the future holds for them. Mm -hmm. If there's a certain sense that the future is bright, the affinities improve, the loyalties improve, and people don't have a predisposition to want to steal from you. So employee perceptions of their career progression changes once there are clear succession planning strategies in place. Then people are prepared actively to take charge of the next bigger role. And my friend spoke about horizontal movement and vertical movement. All those things help people to feel there's some freshness and something to look forward to every morning when they come to work. Then now, but most profoundly, there's the potential agency problem of managerial entrenchment due to power and material benefits involved. If you feel as if you want to keep these pegs for life, you don't want anyone to come and collect the pegs, you want to keep it, then this whole issue of power and material benefits keeps you entrenched and doesn't help you to promote a succession planning climate. Then there's the whole issue of backup leadership and then the almighty issue of financial performance. You spoke about seamless change. Steve Jobs and his successor. Investors sometimes want to see organizations change over seamlessly so they don't feel apprehensive about the future of the company. So, succession planning also has direct benefits for the financial quality of the firm. If people perceive that the, the, the talent pool is so deep that whoever is leading the company will still do well, you will do better financially. So, these are some clear benefits of succession planning. It is evident that every company that goes to the AGM, when they put out the annual report, that almighty page two, that shows you the quality of people at various levels, the board level, the management level, and so on, is just trying to send a signal that it's not a one-man show. Yeah, snapshot of what they represent. Of, of what is represented. And they, do, they take time to give you not just the names, Absolutely. but what they bring to the yeah. table. Absolutely. Could you give me your thoughts on, on governance before we wrap this up? Right. Um, so, if I can tie that to partly to their type of leadership. Um, the reason why the Apple story draws a lot of attention is that Steve Jobs was a popular and charismatic standout leader and so not only within the organization but to the outside world. When such a leader has to be replaced, it does cause a lot of anxiety because their very person is linked with the success or otherwise of the organization and so there's a lot of... Um, Concern, right? However, there are three interesting examples, one that I'll want to dig into a little bit. Elisha, Elijah, well, Elijah and Elisha, Elisha for following him. Um, then I'll jump from scripture into a very contemporary one, which is Eric Schmidt moving on from being CEO of yeah. Google to becoming chairman and handing back to one of the founders to be CEO. There was an interesting transition there where one 
journalist or so as Steve Case, the founder of AOL. So what do you think? I mean, as an insider, was Eric Schmidt pushed or did he jump? And Steve Case's answer was both. I think it's interesting because there is a time when the next person coming up needs to nudge the person in front of you. And the response that, yes, he was nudged and he jumped is a good one. But my favorite example, Jesus and Peter. If you look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where Jesus says to Peter, but most importantly, he said this in, in the, with the other disciples around, right? So it wasn't secret to Peter only. Mm-hmm. And I say, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build sure. my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail really against it. Right there and then, while Jesus was still alive, like in the example Professor Henson is pointing out, while he was there, while he was alive, and to an audience who are key stakeholders, he made it clear what the succession planning was. I think that's the most critical thing, that it happens while you're still there. It doesn't happen after you're not there, and that doesn't, it's, it's not a, there isn't a shock factor and a scrambling to fill a void. It happens while you're there. It gives the stakeholders who know and understand it a chance to begin to adapt towards the person who's going to lead next, Indeed. which enables the transition to be smooth. Um, another example, again, switching to contemporary I like, is the Cisco CEO, John Chambers, who's been CEO for, I think, over 20 years and, and, and very successful at that, announcing his successor while he's still CEO and the date. Right, and communicating to their stakeholder community his confidence in the person he's handing over to, you know. So we don't see this a lot in the environments in where we work. We don't see or hear of this as much. But the key thing is, you want an organization to not only survive but to thrive beyond its initial charismatic leaders. Then I think it's even more important in such scenarios that. While they are still well and alive, yeah. they are handing over and communicating confidence in the person who's coming like to Sir take over. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting example. Very, very interesting. <laughs> we could have a whole show. I think I should bring is uh, we should have a whole show on Sir Blatter. <laughs> it's, it's nine uh-huh. minutes to the hour. Nine minutes to the hour of eight o'clock. My guest for tonight, and it's been as much a football discussion as it has been a business discussion. And if you if you've been uh, at it with us from the beginning, it's it's just been a very instructive discussion. My guests, Professor Robert Ebohinson of the University of Ghana Business School and Kofi Dazi, CEO of Rankard, sharing some very profound thoughts on succession planning. And in all the things they've shared, I see, it seems to me that communication is one of the biggest keys to effective succession. From biblical examples to sporting examples to corporate boardrooms, etc., etc. Structures, communication seem to be a very big part of this. It is three minutes to the hour of eight o'clock. Let me take one minute to share with you the Ten Commandments of Succession Planning. If you run a church, a political party, a football club or any other club, an NGO, a business. Ten things I've learned from Kofi Dazi and Robert Hinson. Number one, it's a systemic way to ensure that employees are competent and developed to play roles that will come up in an organization. They used words like pipeline, strong bench, and options. The second thing I learned is about consistency, and that is the fact that succession planning is both vertical and horizontal. And when staff go on leave, there must be no variance in the quality of experience of our clients. The third thing I learned is that it's more than just about death. There can be situations like leave, travel, poaching, sickness, and it's mainly to ensure general 
continuity within the business. The fourth thing I learned is that the enabling environment for effective succession must, it must flow from the very top and it's a reflection of the quality of leadership within the organization, the governance regime. And that will determine whether we have one of two contrasting situations. One where people are encouraged to develop and grow and one in which their growth is stifled. The fifth thing I learned was about versatility, total football, team effort, total commitment. And it was defined as a culture that supports and rewards versatility, a deliberate attempt to ensure horizontally that everyone can participate in the team activity. The sixth issue was about points of vulnerability and very key we learned that we should set out a system where no one has sole access to anything of significance within the business because the relationships and the interactions belong to the company. And even though the individual may have a sense of personal ownership, it mustn't lead to a closed method of engagement. The seventh thing I learned is that there must be organic processes that promote a mindset of continuity. Start a company, live and grow it, see it run before you die. The eighth thing I learned was about the benefits and that include high loyalty, a perception of career progression, and it also ensures that there's backup leadership and also investor confidence among others. The ninth thing I learned was about mentoring and coaching. We use examples like Elijah and Elisha, Jesus and Peter, Eric Schmidt at Google, among others. And the key thing that we learned, the tenth thing, is that communication is key in succession planning. If you missed out on any part of this wonderful discussion tomorrow, just to, um, log on to soundcloud.com forward slash legacy dash legacy and then pick out this particular discussion or go to our website legacyandlegacy.com.gh and listen to it over and over again. It's been very instructive for me. Kofi, we can never have enough of a good conversation. Thank you for making time. Thank you, Albert. Promise. We'll definitely do this again. Have a good one, sir. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N.E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 the light has come